Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex, and I'm the pastor here. And uh, we are really glad that you're here to, to worship with us. Uh, as you walked in, you may or may not have noticed, but we have uh, Krispy Kreme donuts and some coffee and water back there. And so if you haven't uh, partaken yet, we encourage you to do so. I warn you, once you have one, though, it leads to more. And so I have not yet, and I'm just going to try to stay strong. Uh, but the reason we, we do this is every launch of a new series, uh, we have donuts, and uh, it's kind of a way as us to, to look forward to, uh, obviously, gathering together on a Sunday, but, but also uh, to kind of focus on a different uh, topic. And uh, every few weeks, we kind of have these message series, and my goal is to draw out what the Bible says about life, uh, what God wants us to do in life and with the life that he's given us. And uh, we actually want to make the Bible relevant uh, to our life because I believe that, that God's given it to us for it to be relevant, for it to be applied, for it to be lived out. And so we're starting a brand new series. And if you don't have a program, um, there's some right over there and we can have somebody help you get one. But uh, you'll see on the front side is the, the kind of series title called Everyday a Missionary. And I want to start by kind of defining some terms because when you look at the two words, everyday missionary, one word probably tends to stand out to you more than the other, and it's not likely every day. You tend to look at this word missionary, and that brings uh, images in your head or maybe ideas of what that, that word means. So I want to define kind of what missionary is according to the dictionary first and then go from there. And so this is what the dictionary says. A missionary is someone who goes somewhere foreign with a goal to reach a group of people. And I believe this is somewhat maybe what comes to our mind when we hear this word. It's this idea of it's somebody, kind of vague, goes somewhere, vague, foreign, not here, but there to reach a, a group of people. And I don't know about you, but when I grew up, when I was thinking about the kind of work that I wanted to do, I actually didn't grow up thinking like, I want to be a missionary. Some of you may find that odd because I'm a pastor and you're like, well, what's, what's the difference when I was younger, though, I, I thought, you know, I wanted to be a pilot for, for a season of time, and then I, I learned you had to be good at math, and I was like, ah, maybe not a pilot. Then like a judge, and then it's like you have to go to school for like 40 years, and I was like, no, not that. Um, and through lots of different twists and turns, here I am as a pastor, but my grandma was a missionary. She was a missionary in Lebanon and Eritrea. And even for me knowing I had family that was a missionary, it was something that, again, it was just somebody else, somewhere else, doing something that I didn't want to do. But as you dig into the scripture, the, the definition of missionary is actually something different. Uh, the Bible defines a missionary as this. A missionary is someone who is sent. That's literally what it, what it means, is, is you are sent by, by God. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of what does it mean to be an everyday missionary, where every day, wherever we go, and whatever we do, uh, we are sent uh, by God. And so for you to be a missionary means that you are a follower of Christ. And so I hope this series, if you are a follower of Christ, gives you some context and some information about what, what does it mean for you to be on mission for God in your life. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, I hope that this gives you context and really kind of the picture of the adventure that, that God calls us to. And so over the next three weeks, what I want to be describing is this, this adventure, this great journey that God has us on as we do his mission 
to the ends of the earth, wherever we are, wherever we live, and whoever we come in contact with. And so whether you're investigating what it means to follow Christ or you've been a Christian a long time, I hope this gives you some, some context of what does it actually mean to follow Christ in everyday life? And I want to start with this kind of overarching idea as you dig into the Bible, and this is it. God sends us into our world as everyday missionaries, hence the name of the the series. We're everyday missionaries, and God sends us into our world. Wherever our world is, that's where God's sending us. That's where God has placed us. Uh, In the New Testament, there's a man named Paul, and if you've been in church a while, you may hear his name come up a lot because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of letters to churches that he helped start, and he's trying to communicate what it means to follow Christ in the first century. Uh, There weren't Christians, really, that were around before that, so this new movement started with Jesus, and then he died and he resurrected, and then his followers continued in his mission. But being a Christian was something new, and it was something foreign, and so he wrote a lot of letters and instruction and encouragement and challenges to these new Christians And so when you read the New Testament, the instruction that's given is is meant to instruct us today as Christians in this world, uh, in our time and in in our context. And this is what he describes um, himself and all Christ followers. You'll you'll see it up here on the screen. So then, men, and men here is referring to just mankind, people. So then, people or men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And you may notice there's a handout and you can take notes that kind of has all the scriptures and everything on there. But the title of today's message specifically is The Secret Things of God. And it's pulled from this passage. Not only are are Christ followers missionaries, but they're everyday missionaries. And they've been people that have been given the secret things of God. Of God, and so you may ask, well, why why are they secret? Well, there, there's two reasons. God did not create these secrets because He wanted to withhold anything from us. He actually has these secrets because we are are not Him. There's a distinction between us and and Him. We don't think like Him. We we don't act like Him. And with our own minds, we actually can't fathom God because He's God and, and we're not. So there's a separation because he's God, uh, but there's also a separation in the fact that he's lived forever and he's perfect. And so even as we try to put our mind around it, there's just this distance between us and him. And I'm going to talk about that uh, in a moment. But these secrets exist. And what, what God has chosen to do is he, he's chosen to actually reveal them to us. And his secrets are the truth found in the scripture. And over a span of 1,500 years, he has revealed these secrets to about 40 people. And they're found in 66 books. And those books are put together, and that's called the Bible. And so when we talk about the secret things of God, it's actually the revealed word that he has given to us. Without him revealing it to us, we would not know. So when we read the scriptures, those who follow Christ, we we view these as the revealed words of God. This is the truth about how life works. This is the truth about reality. And so we have these these secrets that he's given to us. And so you may ask, well, if all these secrets are in the book, why don't people just open the book and discover them? Well, like anything, and anything of real importance, 
ideas are ideas, but when they're lived out in people, they become real. And so God has chosen to reveal these secrets, and they're found in the Scriptures. But his goal was never that they would just be contained in a book, hoping that people would find it. Maybe in the hotel room, you know, it's always in that first drawer. The Gideons put it there. But I don't know the percentage of people that just go in their hotel and like, man, does this, we got clean towels? Do we have cable? And is the Bible there? Let's turn off the TV and let's read the Bible instead. Right? No family vacation usually starts with that. But I appreciate their ministry because there's, you know, there's people that are in dire situations where that, that's the only thing they have to turn to. But more importantly, and, and most of the time, God has given his secrets, but he wants them lived out in those that follow him. And that's why we're, we're the missionaries that's been given these secrets. And so in this passage, Paul tells us, you know, re- regard us in, in two different ways. And I want to kind of paint these word pictures because I think they're instructive. So he, he tells us two perspectives of an everyday missionary. The first is regard us as a servant. And a servant literally means um, an under rower. And it, he says this in the scriptures, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. So part of the adventure when you decide to follow Christ is that you now serve somebody greater than yourself. Now that, that can be somewhat scary because there's a part of us that we all like to be self-serving. We like to look out for our interests. That's normal. But when you decide to follow Christ, you actually now look for something beyond just you. And you're a part of something bigger than just you. You're a part of this kingdom of God that's expanding, this kingdom of light that's coming to the darkness to desperate people. And so we, we, we serve as this servants of, of Christ. Now, the literal word of servant is an under rower. I don't know if you guys ever saw Ben-Hur back in the day, but here's a picture from that movie. These are under rowers. What'd you learn today at church? Well, I guess I'm just a sweaty old man under a boat. But that picture is important because these under rowers actually play a crucial role. Without them, the ship does not go where it needs to go. But also with them, the picture is, are they the captains on top saying, let's go this way? No, they are working and rowing and cohesive and teaming together to set the direction. But they get the direction from the captain. What Paul is saying is we are servants of who? We are servants of Christ. Christ is the captain. He's the boss. He calls the shots. He sets the direction. And we get to be a part of this amazing journey. So that's how we should be regarded as servants of Christ. Then the second word picture uh, is this. It's a steward. And we are as those entrusted with what? The secret things of God. Now notice, God has revealed these secrets again in the scriptures. And we can find them as we read in them, as we, we meditate on them. He's revealed them, so something that's revealed can be found. But notice what Paul says. He doesn't say the secret things are found in the book, point people to the book. No, he says those entrusted with the secret things of God. So it's us, his followers, who have been entrusted. So God himself has given us these secrets, and he's entrusted us with them. And then it goes on and he says, those who've been given a trust must prove to be faithful. So we've servants of Christ entrusted with the secret things of God. Those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. And so for the rest of the time, 
I want to describe what these secrets are. And for some of you, this may be a refresher. Oh, yeah, this, this is how life works. This is how God has designed the world. This is the truth. Uh, for some of you, you may be hearing this for the first time. And what I'm hoping to do is, again, just pull out what the Scriptures say. And these are some of the key secrets that we all need to know. Every single person on the face of the planet needs to know these. So what are the secrets? Let's look at them. Secret number one, God is not okay with us. We just ease right into it, right? That's not the usual approach. You know, when you're like, I'm going to tell you a secret. It's going to be the most amazing news you've ever heard. This is going to be life-changing. What is it? You've got a problem. That's usually not, you're not like, okay, I'll, I'll endorse that. But this, this is the truth. God is not okay with us. And this is kind of counterintuitive because we think God is just like a bigger version of us a lot of times. We, we try to be good. And then there's God, and he's really good. And we, we kind of know things. And then there's God, and he knows a lot of things. So we kind of take us and where we are and our capacity, and we tend to multiply it by whatever number we think. Like maybe it's 100, maybe it's 200. And we just think he's just a bigger version of who we are. But again, what you find in scriptures is that there's actually a separation that exists because God and us, we, we're not on the same plane. We're, we're in a totally different boat. Now, we're made in his image. We have value. We're important to him, which is why he's given us these secrets. But at the same time, it begins with this idea that God is not okay. Now, I want to read this passage in Isaiah 55 that kind of I think speaks plainly to this. And this is what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So I just want to stay here really quick. Go back to that, that screen. So seek the Lord while he may be found. There's this, this picture of God is calling out to all of us. He's not okay with us, but he's not leaving us alone. That's what makes him good. That's what makes him loving. He's not okay, but he's, he's calling out to us. And so the prophet Isaiah here is saying, seek him while he may be found. Seek him while that voice you can hear. But to seek him, notice what he says. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So God's not okay. And, and there's a sense in which you, you can't just listen to his voice and go his way, but continue in your own. And what the writer is describing as wicked and unrighteous, we tend to think as the worst people in the world. Terrible people. But actually, the writer's talking about sin, ever messing up, ever doing anything wrong. That actually makes us wicked. That makes us unrighteous. So hear his voice while it's there. And then he goes on in verse 8. Now, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is a very important secret. God's not okay with us because he has a measuring stick and a ruler that's completely different than us. We tend to measure ourselves by each other, right? That's what I do. I think that's what you do. How bad am I? Well, it depends. Who am I looking at? Is it my neighbor? 
Is it my friend? Is it my coworker? Is it my parents? Is it my kids? And we just measure ourselves against others. The reason God's not okay with us is because he has his own measuring stick, and it's called perfection. And it's called completely and utterly good and just and kind. And so we're measuring us against him, and what the writer is saying is the distance between heaven and here is so great. That's the distance between God's morality and his measuring stick and his ruler compared to us. So there's this distance that exists. So that's the first secret. God is not okay. Why is he not okay? Because we've sinned and we've rebelled. And our morality can't measure up to God's perfect reality. I don't have to convince you that you're not perfect, right? We know that. But we tend to think we're good enough. But again, the writer's saying is, well, there's a distance there. And so you have to use a different measuring stick that you never use. Here's secret number two. It, it doesn't get any better yet, but it will. Secret number two, we cannot hide our sin. You guys remember when you were kids and you'd, you'd play hide and seek? Like I'm talking when you're like two years old. You guys remember? Or you've ever played with kids and they do that? And you play hide and seek and, and they want to hide like this. There's a picture. Right? You, you, like, you can't see me. You can't see me. Where am I? And you don't, you, don't, you don't want to break it to the young. You know, wow, where? I don't know. And, you know, when they're really young, it's, it's, it's cute. When they're 10, it's like, you know what? You don't quite get the game. You know, you have to break the, you know, you don't want the kid going to junior high doing this on the plate, you know. That's not good. But when you're young, it's cute. But, you know, this is, this is, what, this is what we do to God with our sin. We close our eyes to it thinking he can't see it. God, you didn't see that. You didn't hear that. You didn't know that. And God's just looking like, really? You know I'm God, right? You can't see it. Really? His his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He actually sees everything. Even our thoughts, he knows. Our judgments, he knows. Uh, Romans 2.16 says this. This will take place. This is, called, this is talking about the, the judgment. We're all going to face God, all of us. When our life's wrapped up, when the earth is wrapped up, we're going to face him, and he's going to ask us, and he's going to give us, a, you know, ask us for an account of our life. And it says this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. So here's what's interesting. God has revealed to us his secrets, and they're found in the scriptures, and he wants them proclaimed by his followers. But one of the secrets is the fact that we have secrets, and we think we can hide them. I don't know about you, but isn't there a time, have you ever been told something, and somebody said, don't tell anybody? And you think like, well, if you can make it like one day, maybe you'll make it too. And if you make it too, and you think, Long, if I can just hold on long enough and not tell anyone the secret, then it's safe. And we, we tend to do this with the things that we regret. We tend to do this with the things that we've done that are wrong. 
We just think if I act like it didn't happen long enough, maybe it didn't. And we just kind of trust this intuitive sense that we have that, that it's okay. And what the Bible says is that you can't hide. Everything will be exposed. It will be laid bare. It's like we create this world of darkness where we do what we want, we say what we want, we feel what we want, and isn't this the mantra of the day? Do whatever makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. How do we measure that? How do we know? How do we know that what my happiness does doesn't hurt somebody else? And then how will I know that? What we just just love people. Isn't this the this is our day? And it makes complete sense if you don't actually think logically. So with God, we trust this feeling, but with everything else, we put it to the test. And what the scripture is saying is like, God's not okay because you've sinned, and your sin you cannot hide. So there's got to be more than just doing whatever you want because you're separated from God. There's a distance now that, that exists. But here's the good news. Secret number three. Jesus is the only solution to our core problems. So this is where it becomes good. Good news. God's not okay. We cannot hide our sin. But there's Jesus. And Jesus is the only solution to our core problems. And only he can forgive us. So secret number one and two are as vitally as important as secret number three. Check out what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake. So right there, those three words, for our sake. For our sake, because we are sinners. And for our sake, because we can't hide it. God already knows. God already sees us. But for our sake, because those are true, he made him, and the him is referring to Jesus, he made him to be no sin. He made Jesus, who was completely perfect, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this is where the secrets begin to fit together. We're not okay. We cannot hide. But the only way to be okay is through Jesus Christ. That's what that means. We might become the righteousness of God. When we become the righteousness of God, we are now okay. And the only way we can become the righteousness of God is through the one who knew no sin and became sin and took our sin for us. So the picture is, is this. Our sin is spilling out of us from all the things that we've ever done. And without Jesus, we have just all these spills of our deeds and spills of our life and our actions and our attitudes and our thoughts, all the things that we regret, every wrong that we've ever done, it's just spilled out of us. And we just have these puddles of sin everywhere we go. And they're with us. And it's like we're trying to mop it up with like this piece of paper towel and we're just, and it's just spreading everywhere. That's what it is when we just try to make ourselves happy or we try to do anything in our own power. We, we cannot clean up the mess. And so when it says he became sin, who knew no sin, he's a perfect Messiah, 
perfect Savior, he's like the sponge, completely empty of sin, completely pure, a brand new sponge. And he's put in our mess and he soaks it up. We could spend our whole life with our own resources trying to clean up our own mess. And what God says is, you're not okay. You cannot hide. But here's the thing. You don't need to fix your problem. I've already done that. I've done that through the person of Jesus Christ who soaks up our sin. But here's the thing. You have to choose to apply Jesus and what he did to to your life. You have to choose for him to clean up your mess. He doesn't force a cleanup. We have to choose to let him. And so not only does he forgive us of our sins, but in him, again, is everything we, we actually need. See, people see Jesus as maybe a historical figure, maybe a moral teacher. But what the scriptures paint is a very different picture. In him is, is a treasure chest for all of life, and it opens up. And you begin to open up, and you see these blessings and resources that flow from following Christ. And you've been trying to approach life in one way, and as soon as you decide to follow Christ, life opens up to you for the first time. This isn't just about cleaning up a mess. It's about building a new life. And check this out in Colossians 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. This is talking about people who've decided to follow Christ. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when you realize you're not okay and you realize you cannot hide and you choose to follow Jesus as the solution to your core needs, again, this treasure chest has just been opened. And it's filled with wisdom and knowledge, and hope, and assurance that God is with you, and he's for you, and you're not alone. And the mystery, this is this idea of everyone's looking for that, right? Everyone wants the treasure of life. You go into a bookstore, you go online, everyone's looking for blessing, happiness. The mystery is Christ. Everyone will look everywhere else for it. But the secret is, found in Christ, in him alone. In him, his mystery has found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That leads me to, to secret number four. There's only a key that unlocks it. Humility unlocks the secrets. You see there at the bottom, secret number four, humility unlocks the secrets. Because if you look at especially the first three secrets. God's not okay with you. Do you like to hear that? Not what? What's wrong with me? You kind of feel like like anybody not being okay. It's like, well, why not? There's just it's easy to be defensive. It's easy to maybe even measure up and think, well, what what have I done? I'm not as bad as this person. I didn't do that. That this person did. I didn't cause the pain that this person caused me. But again, we're using the different measuring stick. And then we cannot hide. There's a part of it that's like, well, see me. 
No, you still, you're still, he still can see you. I don't, I don't think so. I'm really good at this. Oh, you're still there. Could you imagine? All right, guys, you can't see me. What would you guys say? No, we, we really can. No, you can't. That's what we do with God, but it takes this humility. Okay, he, he's revealed that he can see me, so maybe he can see me. And then Jesus being the only solution, certainly there's got to be other solutions. There's got to be another maneuver, another formula, another way, which is why this is the case. You have to have humility to realize that you need help and that you can't do it by yourself. Matthew 13 says this, and he answered them. This is his early followers. This is Jesus. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So he's describing a people that, that they hear it, but they don't understand. They're told the secrets, but they don't believe them. And here, here he describes it. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would what? I would heal them. We live in a time where people's hearts are dull, their eyes are closed, and their ears hear nothing. And God is calling out to them. If you open your heart and open your ears and open your eyes and you turn to me, I will heal you. But for them to do that, they have to admit that they need to be healed. They have to admit that they need help. So Jesus is saying is, these secrets, they've been given to you because you humbled yourself to receive them. There's so many people that they're calloused to the things of God. They don't want to hear the secrets. They don't want to know God. They don't want to turn from him. But I believe at the end, the promise is what keeps us going because this is true. But if they turn to him, he would heal. So for us to be everyday missionaries means at any point, we're going to be sharing with people who want nothing to do with what we have to say. They don't want to hear it. If you're a Christ follower, you've you've probably experienced this. It may be in your own family. It may be someone that you care about and love deeply, and they want nothing to do with your Christian faith. In fact, you may bring it up, and they may say things like, no, don't, don't, don't bring that Jesus stuff in here. Check that out the door. Now, that doesn't work for me. I'm glad that's for you. That, that's you, that's not me. And they, they put these walls, and we see this again and again and again. But humility is needed. You, you, you need humility to receive the secrets. But here's the other thing. You need humility to share them. And I want to close out with this. For some of you, The thought of sharing these secrets with anyone just frankly makes you uncomfortable. And I just want to call that out. That's okay. We live in a time 
we're in the culture that we're in, to say anything about the truth, you're, you're condemned. You just don't say it. Everyone does whatever they want. So they look, truth is found on the inside. People just define or reveal their own truth. And so if you think about it, if, if people can just find truth within them, then that, doesn't that make them like God who reveals it? And we just live at a time where all this goes unchecked. Everyone just defines their own reality, which actually means there isn't one. They define their own morality, which means there's different measuring stick for everybody. And somebody's good, but compared to someone else, they're not. And they just disregard God. But one of the tools of the enemy who wants to come against the people of God is for us to be discouraged. To say they're not listening, they don't care, they don't want to hear it. But again, we're servants of Christ, underrowers who have been given a trust. And those who've been given a trust must be what? Faithful. And so no matter the feelings that you have, your success as an everyday missionary isn't based on the person's response. That's not success. God is the one who does that. God is the one that opens eyes, opens ears, and opens hearts. You are responsible to share the secrets that God has given you. So for this series, we're going to look at some perspective of how to do this, and then we're going to talk about how to team up. Because I believe what God wants to do is reach this area for people who are desperate for hope, desperate for love, desperate for encouragement, that they are completely closed-minded, eyed, ears, heart, and they're just smacking themselves up against every wall because they can't see it. They don't see the way forward. So God wants to use us to help turn the lights on so they can see. So our our role is, is to be faithful. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, there may be some of these things that you've not heard for the first time. And what Jesus said there in Matthew is the same thing he says to you. He's, he's calling out. And you have a choice. Will you, will you open your eyes, open your ears, and in your heart begin to think, is there something beyond me that I need that I don't have? Only you can answer that. So in this series, no matter where you are, it's a chance to start learning these secrets and then choose what, what do I do with them for me personally? And then how do I share them with those around me? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God uh, to give us help. I'm going to invite the band back up. And then Garrett's going to walk through some next steps that you can take this morning. Just ways of, okay, well, what, what does this mean for me right here and right now in, in my life? And so as he, as he walks through those, begin to consider, take out your connection card. And then uh, after he walks through the next steps, uh, you'll put those uh, in, in the offering as that comes by. And last but not least, if I've never met you, uh, every Sunday, I, I go by the information table there, and I'd love just to, to say hi if I've not met you. Also, if I have met you and you just want to come say hi, there's no, like, force field barrier. You can come and, and say hi as well. So let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the secrets that you have revealed to us. And frankly, there's just some of the time it's, we don't want to hear it because it feels like it is bliss to be ignorant. But at the same time, We don't want to be lost. And so thank you for your word that does light up the way forward. 
And thank you for leading us and giving us direction as we move towards it. And so I, I just pray for anyone here that is just kind of chewing on these secrets and, and, and maybe he's never decided to follow you. God, will you soften their heart and open their eyes and their ears and that they may consider that you sent your son as the only solution. And for the rest of us, I, I pray for, for courage. You, you've called us forward as people who are sent. So God, give us, give us your courage uh, as we do that. In the name of Jesus, amen.